So I want, to help, uh, I want you to help me out this morning as uh, we, we begin looking at this passage together. Uh, I want you to finish the following sentences for me from theme songs that were taken from the 1980s, 90s, and into the early uh, 20s. There's two different theme songs that I think you might recognize, hopefully. Okay, the first is this. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Exactly, from the show called Cheers. Cheers. All right, the second one, I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. Very, very close. I'll be there for you because you're there, you're there for me too. And the show was Friends. That's right. Okay, now what about these two from the, the world of sport? Okay, the first one, stand up for the Ulstermen. You'll never walk alone. Okay, we got there in the end. So as I said earlier, today we're beginning this series called Love Your Church. And between now and the end of June, we're going to be thinking about our church. We're going to be asking, what is the big deal about church? Why bother? Anyway, and today we're, we're going to begin by looking at this whole area of community and belonging. Because that's what each of those statements talk about, isn't it? When in the, the world of, uh, of those sitcoms as well as sport. Uh, the fact that deep down, each of us long to belong. We long to be connected. We, we want to know and to be known. We want to love and to be loved. We want to, to care and be cared for. None of us want to walk alone. We all know the value of standing up together in order to work together on a single purpose to get the job done, as opposed to trying to do things on our own. It's one of the big lessons I think we learned over these past two years of pandemic, isn't it? How much each of us needs community, how difficult life can be when we're isolated, when we're, when we're pulled apart from others. You know, deep down, each of us, see, even those who might be happy in their own company, each of us, deep down, has that longing for belonging, for community. And that's why uh, the pan when the pandemic hit, suddenly Zoom became such a, a hit, such a global phenomenon. When we couldn't meet together in person, it suddenly became so important to try to connect with one another however we could. Uh, and, and that's why we suddenly started seeing Zoom quizzes appear online amongst families and friends, Zoom family nights, uh, Zoom business meetings, and, and so on. Because we were reminded very quickly... The, through, through the loneliness and the isolation that we experienced in those days that we are not made to do life on our own. And yet as we continue to emerge from this pandemic and as each of us has been working to put the pieces of our lives back together, I think one of the questions that many of us is asking is this, so what about church? What's the big deal with that. Because isn't it true that before the pandemic, ma many of us, uh, we found ourselves busy doing a lot of things, maybe even a lot of things here at church. Uh, so maybe it sort of felt like for you that life was a, a hamster wheel, that you were on it, and it was going round and round and round and round, and you were so busy it was uh, hard to, to get off. 
Uh, you were busy maybe with, whether it was with work or with family commitments, uh, with organizations or clubs that you belonged to, or even our life together here at St. Mary's. And, and then the pandemic hit and it all stopped. Of course, many of us continued to be busy trying to learn how to do work in a new way as we'd never done it before, or how to do family life differently uh, in the face of the pandemic. But everything in our, else in our lives, it came to a standstill or it looked very different than before. You know, I think many people enjoyed that. Some reported a, a great benefit in their mental and physical well-being uh, from being able to slow down, to be able to reassess their priorities, to be able to down-tool and stop doing some of the things that they had been doing. And others were just thankful for a slightly slower pace in life. But now as we emerge from the pandemic, we're asking questions about which of those pieces of our lives that we were previously involved in or previously enjoyed, or previously doing, which of those pieces fit back into life now as we adapt to our new normal? We're we're being forced to think about those things that we were doing before, ask how important they really are, and whether they're worthwhile enough to take up again. And we're also being challenged to think about things that we weren't doing before. Maybe we need to start doing for our own good, and for the good of others. And of course, one of those areas that we need to think closely about is church. And by looking at attendance figures, not just in our church, but across the church, at least in the Western world, that's one of the questions I think people are asking today. Do I really need church in my life? Can I be a Christian without going to church? Without belonging to a church? Or at the very least, can I be a Christian without going to church regularly, week by week? Can I just go when I feel up to it? Do I really need to show up and be part of the church meetings and activities that are put on if I'd rather really be somewhere else? Can I expect to be cared for for my church if I'm not actively a part and doing my bit to care for others? And do I really need to serve and be part of the life of the local church, or is that just an optional extra, uh, something for others who are more keen to do, something for others who are not just as busy as I am to be involved in? What about church leadership? Uh, What if I don't like my leaders or agree with everything that they do or say? And what about sharing my faith? Is that something that I need to do? Do I really have to do that? And they're all good questions, questions that need to be asked and, and confronted and thought about, questions I hope to think about together over the course of the next few weeks. But today, I want us to think about this whole area of belonging and community. And this is in relation to that whole question, can I be a Christian without belonging to a local church? And the short answer is no. The Bible doesn't give us that option. Nowhere in the Bible will you find stories about lone ranger Christians who are off trying to do it on their own. Because we were made to be 
in community. Right back at the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, we're, we're told that we are made in the image of God, which means that we were made for community because God himself eternally is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in an eternal relationship with himself. So first of all, we're made to be in a, a relationship, and we're made to be in a relationship with God. We're made to know God, to be known by him, to love and be loved by him. But then as we continue to read those first chapters of the Bible, we also discover that we're made for a relationship with each other as well. And so God creates Eve so that Adam would not be alone. And later, as as we read uh, the story, uh, God blesses Abraham and tells him that his descendants would become a great nation, a people, a community belonging to God, so that they would then become a blessing to the world. So this is the message of the Bible, that God has created us to be in relationship with him and with one another. But through the course of Scripture, through the Old Testament and then into the New, we see how the the community that God calls us to keeps breaking down. But when Jesus came, he came to make the reality of the community to which we are called possible. In Christ, we are welcomed into a new community that's no longer marked by one ethnic group, but is now clearly open to all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In our passage this morning, Paul uh, tells us that once we were far from God, but now we have been brought near. Once we were excluded from citizenship in Israel, we were foreigners to the promises of God's people without hope and without God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, that's you and me, folks, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Friends, this is the good news of Easter. Through Christ's blood shed on the cross for you and for me, we not only receive forgiveness of sin and a restored relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, but we find restoration of relationship with one another as well. Paul tells us here in our passage that Christ's purpose was to create in himself a new humanity, a new people at peace with God and at peace with one another, brought close to one another and close to God through Jesus Christ. The result, Paul tells us, is that those who believe in Christ are now members of the people of God. And verses 19 and following here in chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul uses several interesting word pictures to show us what this new community is like. First, he says uh, that through Christ, we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That means if if you've received God's forgiveness for yourself, if you've given your life to following Jesus Christ, you now have a new nationality and a new family. Not only have you become a citizen of, of God's kingdom, you are now a son or daughter of the king, which means that together we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, being a, a dual citizen... Uh, myself, it's a great blessing. Yes, uh, there are certain perks when it comes to travel, uh, but where it really gets interesting is in the belonging 
that you experience, to not just one, but two nations, to two peoples. I remember the sense of pride uh, when we finally got our act together and when I, I naturalized and became a citizen of the United Kingdom. We had the, the, the grand ceremony in Hillsborough Castle, and it was lovely going together as a family. Uh, but with that came a sense of, of belonging, a new sense of identity, a sense that this is home for me. With dual citizenship comes the, the freedom to live and move freely, not just in one, but now in two nations, benefiting from the protections and the provisions and the possibilities provided from either nation, depending on where I am in the world. But in Christ, Paul tells us that you and I have been made citizens of an even greater country, the kingdom of heaven whose protections and provisions and possibilities and blessings are now available to each and every one of us in Christ. Where your sense of belonging uh, comes from is not just a new passport that God gives you when you become a Christian, passport for heaven. It's a whole new life that is stamped by God's Holy Spirit and marked by His presence alive in you. Imagine that. Citizens of heaven, a brand new nationality with a new sense of belonging, a new home, and with, with all the protections and provisions and possibilities available through life lived in the presence of God. But to experience the benefits that come with your new nationality, your new identity, you have to draw close to God. You have to become part of his people. Because part of that new identity means that we're now part of a new family, Paul tells us. Some of us have had difficult family experiences in the past. But in Christ, Paul tells us that we are brought into this new family, the ideal family, one in which we are accepted and where we belong and where we find the love and relationship and connection and warmth that we all long for. Paul's talking here about the depth of relationship that is characterized by being brought so close together that you're not just like family. You're a new family. Maybe like, like, like us, you've got friends that, that go so far back and, and there's so much uh, shared experience and life together that they're like family. But Paul says, no, this is more. You're a new family. And just as with any family, to be a healthy family member, that you have to be in a living, loving relationship with the others in that family. It's not a solo job. But Paul continues to say that not only have we been brought into a family, but in Christ, we're, we're like a building. We're like a building. Each of us stones which belong together and are formed around the chief cornerstone who is Christ. Together we become, uh, we're being made into a, a holy temple in the Lord, Paul tells us. That's the church. Paul says, picture it this way, your life is like a stone. Your stone, your life, it wasn't designed to lay aside all by itself in a field. That would be useless. 
No, it was designed to be brought together, to be joined with others in Christ so that together we form a holy, beautiful temple, a place of worship where God's presence not only dwells but is magnified and radiates throughout the entire world. You know what that makes us? That makes us the church of Jesus Christ, the new people of God, where we find a new identity, a new sense of belonging, but where we also find a new purpose. That together as his people, we radiate the glory of God as we live out and declare the, the, the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only in our world uh, around us, but as Paul tells us in the next chapter, in chapter 3, verse 10, also we declare God's glory to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, those we can't even see with our own eyes. Which means that as we gather together on Sundays as a church, as we sing our praises, as we hear God's word, as we think about what it means for us today, as we surrender our hearts and our lives to God, as we declare God's praises, what we're doing is declaring the good news of Jesus, not just in word and deed, but we are becoming part of a cosmic sermon that is being preached by God through us to the authorities in the heavenly places, declaring the unshakable truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in Christ there is victory through the cross, there is power in the resurrection, there is new life in his name. Because of Easter, we can declare that our God reigns and our God saves. You see what Paul is trying to to do here. The point he's trying to make, in Christ, we now belong to a new community with a new identity, a new sense of belonging, a new purpose, which all comes with new blessings. But to experience those blessings and to fulfill the purpose to which we have been called as God's people, we need each other. It requires us to avoid trying to distance ourselves from one another, from our brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. It requires us to avoid neglecting meeting together on Sundays and throughout the week when we have opportunity. In short, experiencing the blessings of this new community requires us to show up and take part as together we invest in one another and in our community life together joyfully serving one another, loving one another, caring for one another with a view of advancing the mission of Jesus in our world together. Listen to how Tony Merida in his book, Love Your Church, uh, puts it. We'll be thinking about some of the things that he has to say in that book over the course of these next couple of months, but this is what he says. He says, the church is a local community of believers who gather for worship and who scatter for witness. They share life together, centered on Jesus for the good of one another and for the good of the world. And Merida continues, he says this, it's a privilege to belong to the new covenant people of God, to be part of those who have been saved through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus, who possess the indwelling Holy Spirit, who are joined in a local gathering, who assemble to hear the word preached, who engage 
in corporate worship, who are led by qualified pastors and elders, who enjoy the wonder of baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's an awesome thing to be a part of those who commit to practicing the one another's of Scripture, who scatter to fulfill the great commandment to love your neighbor and the great commission to make disciples of all nations. It's awesome to be a part of God's church. Well, some struggle with um, the thought of belonging to the local church, of actively engaging in church Sunday by Sunday and committing to week by week the local expression of the family of God. The Bible doesn't really give us a choice. Whether it's through the various pictures of what it means to be the church that we've thought of this morning or through the various lists that we see through the, like the book of Acts, uh, of pictures of, of, of names of people who are in church, church members we see there. Through Paul's discussion on church disciplines, uh, church discipline in his letters, you know, as we read through the New Testament, it, it's clear that as followers of Christ, we're called to be members of a local church. We are to know, be known. We are to be identifiable. Uh, there is a part for each, an important part for each person to play. So what holds us back from getting involved in church? Well, some say, I love Jesus, but not the church. In Ephesians 5, Paul calls the church the bride of Christ, which poses a real problem, I think, for people who feel this way. I know, uh, I love, again, how Tony Merida puts it. He says this, uh, you know, since the church is the bride of Christ, to say something like, I love Jesus, but not the church, is like saying to my best friend, you know, I, I love you, George, uh, and, and I, I'm happy to hang out with you, but I, I really have no time for your wife. I don't like her at all. Um, I'd rather just spend time with you and not her. Do you think that would be Okay. I mean, who among us would say that to our dearest friend, let alone Jesus Christ? No, we wouldn't say that because if you love that person, if you care for that person, then you will love their spouse as well. If you love Jesus, you'll love his bride too. Another reason we might sometimes struggle to get involved in church is because our culture uh, tends to be drawn more towards the dramatic and the sensational and for many, going to their local church seems boring compared to expressions of church that they might see or hear about on TV or on the internet or at conferences or in concerts or maybe at the big church up the road. Why should I go to church? It's boring. But to be fair, you know, caring for the elderly in church trying to win back and restore wayward members, trying to support those who are struggling, providing food for those who are in need, helping single parents out who are struggling, uh, teaching Sunday school, providing childcare, helping our youth learn about Jesus, driving a minibus, making sure that those who are without transport are included making teas and coffees and, and, and putting out toys for beanies, parents and toddlers group, leading and being part of a small group, encouraging those who are new to faith. All those things may seem a bit lackluster, but when put together 
are powerful. Imagine what the world would be like, what difference it would make if everybody was doing that. If you looked around the world and everybody was getting involved in not thinking just about themselves, but looking at the other person across the table and saying, how can I help and care and love and serve you? Imagine the difference it would make. The Bible tells us that they, the world out there, will know that we are Christians by how we love each other, how we talk to one another, how we care for one another, how we serve each other, how we deal with one another, how we make up when things go wrong. They will know that we are Christians by how we love one another, and we cannot love one another unless we are here. Others think faith should be private. They think that it's okay not to really talk about their faith or let anyone know about their faith, that their Christianity is just something between them and God. They are more concerned maybe about their own private experiences with, with God and experiencing God uh, in, in private, maybe mystical ways at home, rather than experiencing the life of God together in community. But if we truly believe what Paul is telling us here in our passage, that the place where God's presence dwells is his church, this new holy temple that he's building up, living stones brought together with his presence right at the very heart, then it stands to reason that the best place to experience God's presence, to grow in your faith, is not at home on your own, but together here in the local church among his people. And that's certainly been my experience. Others don't like to be involved in church because their expectations of what church should be like have remained unfulfilled or even shattered because of hurtful or difficult experiences. You know, and sadly because the church is made up of people. It's made up of you and me, of imperfect, sinful people. Sometimes things can go a bit pear-shaped in our relationships. But here's the thing, folks. Because Christ is in our midst. We now have the grounds for being able to experience forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation of our relationships. We can now experience hope for a better tomorrow together as his people as we deal with the issues and the problems that we face and as we grow together and become better together. So instead of walking away, Christ invites us to draw closer to him and closer together to experience his healing and the wholeness that he gives as we submit to his lordship. Part of that will be to come to terms with the fact that because of our own sinfulness, we are part of the problem. If you're looking for the perfect church, if you're thinking about leaving St. Mary's, you know, I'm not going to stop you, you know. If you feel God's calling you somewhere else, come talk to me. I'd love to talk about that. But let me promise you that if you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll break it because you are not perfect yourself, nor am I. The truth is from experience, we know that trying to do community from a distance, trying to do life on our own doesn't work. Zoom and online services helped when we couldn't meet in per person. I was certainly glad to be able to join in on Easter Sunday when I couldn't be here in person, but it just wasn't the same. My heart was breaking because I couldn't be here with you in God's presence. We're made for community. We're made to belong. We're made to be in a relationship with God and with one another. 
And in Christ, we're brought into the church. But each of us are called not just to be part of the church, we're called to be part of a local church. A local church where we can know and be known, love and be loved, care and be cared for, serve and be served, where together we can share the good news of Jesus Christ to our dying world in word and deed. It's a gift, a blessing to be able to experience this life together like that, to be able to worship together, pray together, encourage one another, hold one another up in times of weakness, carry one another's burdens. It's a gift to be able to share life together, to share our time, our talents, our treasures, as together we we form this outpost of heaven right at the heart of this estate here on earth. As we work together to see God's kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, if gathering together as a local church is such an essential part of God's plan for us, his people, the question that I leave us with this morning is what needs to change? What needs to change in your heart? What needs to change in my heart? How do our priorities need to be realigned with who we are as God's people and our commitment to his church What part have we to play in becoming part of God's wonderful solution? Amen.